The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Help! I need somebody. Help! Not just anybody. Help! You know I need someone. Welcome to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. Family caregivers don't have to be alone in their experiences. You will hear from experts and other caregivers facing the same issues that you may be facing. Now, here is your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley. Welcome to episode 210 of Family Caregivers Unite. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley, your host. Our topic today is support for grieving children, teens, and their families. Grieving by children, teens, and families, which follows the death of a loved one, involves families and family caregivers supporting children and teens. But grieving sometimes involves children and teens becoming the family caregivers who support their brothers and sisters and their families as a whole. Grieving is a natural process that every family experiences in one form or another. But there are things that can hinder the grieving process. Such things include the circumstances of the death of the loved one, strong but unjustified feelings of guilt, and financial pressures causing disagreements within families. And sometimes grieving family caregivers, families, children and teens need support from outside the family, which is why our topic today, support for grieving children, teens and their families, is so important. To discuss it, our guests are Britta Martini-Miles and Candice Ray. Britta has been the Executive Director of the Lighthouse Programme for Grieving Children in Oakville um, since November 2011. She completed her undergraduate degree in Germany, followed by an MA in International Relations at Penn State in 1989. After many years of international assignments in Europe, the US and South Africa, in 2005, she, her husband and her three grown children settled in Oakville. She immersed herself in the local community as a volunteer and as executive director for local nonprofits. She has a track record in fundraising, marketing, not-for-profit management, and organizational development. And she's delighted to be able to lead the Lighthouse to become a highly recognized and respected grief resource and support center. Candice joined the Lighthouse program as program director in January 2013 and brought with her over 20 years of experience in social work and public education. While employed as a social worker, she completed her master's degree in education at the University of Vermont in 1992. She spent the next four years as a special educator in a public high school and earned a Certificate of Advanced Graduate Study in Education at the University of Vermont in 1998 before moving to Canada. 
In addition to her experience as a teacher and a social worker, she has spent over 10 years coordinating programs and working with volunteers at Big Brothers Big Sisters, mentoring organizations in both Canada and the United States. So welcome to the show, Britta and Candice. Thank you for having us, Gordon. Great pleasure. Now, I'm going to start with you, Britta, please, first. Please tell us more about your personal story. Thank you so much for giving us this opportunity to talk about what is a very difficult topic. Death is always a difficult topic, but particularly talking about deaths that are early in life and unnatural in the sense that these are young people who have died and their families are seeking our support. Um, my personal story of how I came to the lighthouse has fortunately not included a lot of personal experience of death, even though there was a number um, of deaths and losses in my life that had me reflect on relationships, what you had before a loss and what you have after a loss, and a lot of the should have and could have questions that sometimes come with that reflection after a change. My personal experience has been more around moving, lots of international moves um, that our family has experienced, and with that, much loss, uh, shifting relationships, new beginnings, shifting relationships within the family. Um, <clears throat> so there was much experience of that on my end, and I related that very strongly to what I found at the Lighthouse. The reason that I was so attracted to starting work at the Lighthouse was, first of all, the people that surrounded and then the notion that it is a community organization. It's not so much a program as it is a community of people understanding that um, death brings, we said, tremendous challenges and that the people that are experiencing the death need a support community with time and space and support, and we provide all of that. That was small enough to make a difference and large enough to have an impact on its community, and I really enjoy my role. Thank you. Candice, please tell us more about your personal story. Well, I guess my attraction to the Lighthouse and the work of the Lighthouse really came from both my personal um, experiences with grief and loss, uh, both as a child and as an adult, um, as well as my years working as both a social worker and uh, an education professional. Um, I found throughout those years that uh, although grief and loss is uh, part of the human experience that we will all eventually share, um, I found community members, professionals, families, colleagues, um, really just to be at a loss for how to support children and families um, as they experience the death of a significant family member. And I remember as a student, um, when fellow classmates would die, um, the teachers, the administrators, lacked the words, lacked the strategies of how to support children and to have the words to say um, to support those families. Uh, when I came and learned of the Lighthouse, and saw a great opportunity to just become involved with, as Britta said, a community of people who know and understand grief and loss and are endeavoring to promote a community of peer support and understanding that supports children and families through a very difficult time. 
um, that was something that I really felt passionate about becoming involved with. Um, I believe it's vital to enabling children and families to help themselves and to help each other through their grief journey. Thank you. Britta, please tell us about Lighthouse and its story. Lighthouse has an amazing story, Gordon. It's one of those charities that has been able to master transition after transition from a very small grassroots organization. When it was created in 1999 by Joe Fallon, um, our founding member, and she's still involved with the Lighthouse to this day, but has understood how to make space for the next generation of people who sometimes take the mantle or the torch from her and carry it for a little way. So she has been a most phenomenal leader, making space but always being there to support and enhance and um, encourage. Uh, Lighthouse got charity status very soon after it was started. And in the early days, it was really um, a little um, organization that met without its own space. It met in school um, buildings and in church buildings and used shuffleboard rooms, had no fixed address, and had therefore a very ad hoc program. And in the 14 years of its existence, it has, with the help of meaningful grants from various United Way um, agencies and the Ontario Trillium Foundation, and much personal fundraising of the original founders and then generations of volunteers supporting it, it has really grown into an organization that has now a long-term lease agreement, can run programs four weeknights every week, and is starting to expand into the weekend, has tripled in size in the last three years alone, and from running just one group in the very early days, we're now running 14 groups for different individuals, children, teens, and adults at our center. So it has been phenomenal growth with a lot of continuity along the way. Candice, please tell us uh, more about the work of Lighthouse in in looking after all of those 14 courses, those, those things that you're doing. Please tell us about those things. Well, what we provide at the Lighthouse program is peer support to children, teens, and their families following what we would say is is a life-altering death. So in most cases, it's the death um, of a family, a close family member, um, a parent, a sibling, or perhaps a a caregiver um, who is involved in the child's life on a daily basis. And the death is usually untimely and unexpected for the most part. Um, What our peer support groups do is allow children, teens, and their caregivers the opportunity to come together with others who have had a similar experience. And from the very beginning, um, children and their families tell us that what seems to really be the most helpful for them is the opportunity to be with others who understand the experiences that they're having, um, have walked that road before, and all of a sudden by coming together with this peer group, they feel like they're not alone in their grief. And that's very, very important for them to know that they're supported by others who understand them. Um, Our peer support groups are different from counseling and therapy as they are facilitated by our Lighthouse staff um, as well as a team of fantastic and very well-trained volunteer facilitators who do just that. 
So our program does not provide counseling or therapy. The role of our facilitators is to allow the children to come together, to share their feelings, to talk about their feelings, um, share their stories, um, and help themselves and help each other in an environment that's very safe and supported. Our groups are open-ended, and what that means is, is that children and families can come and join us at any time they need support and are allowed to stay for as long as they need us. Uh, at some point, they may decide that they have done what they can do for the time being, but then perhaps need to return to the lighthouse as a teen um, when the death has new meaning for them or when significant life events have caused them to revisit their grief. Let me just go back to Britta. Am I right then in saying that the people who will help with the peer support groups include families who have traveled the road of grieving, um, are now at the end of that road and are reaching out to help others who are at an earlier stage on the road or maybe just starting out on it. Britta, is that right? That is absolutely right. Uh, I think that Candice made an important point there, distinguishing between counselling and peer support. Counselling is something that um, is usually a one-on-one -on -one and there is family therapy that is sometimes very useful. And some of our families do participate in those supplementary services as well. We don't offer them, but they get them elsewhere, and, and that may be necessary. The important difference about the peer support that Candice just made is that um, by being as a peer in a group, our participants are both the receivers but also the givers of support. So they are not passive, and they're certainly not patients, but they are actively involved in shaping their own future and helping influence the, the journey of others. So that is a very, very important and a very healing aspect of what we provide. Now, it's time for us to take a break, so we'll do that now. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley, and my guests are Britta Martini-Miles and Candice Ray. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety and Empowerment Channels and CJMP 90.1 FM Community Radio for Powell River. Please stay with us. We're coming back. Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business talk. Want to know what's going on behind the scenes with your favorite Voice America talk radio network host? How about what's new with our network? 
Make sure you check out the iRadio blog, a look at what's hot at Voice America and beyond. Visit www.iradioblog.com today. Get the inside scoop on every channel on our network, including breaking news, featured guests, blog posts from our hosts, and much more. Make sure you sign up for our newsletter for even more inside action. Visit iradioblog.com today and stay connected. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at familycaregiversunite.org. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Britta Martini-Miles and Candice Ray. Our topic is support for grieving children teens and their families. Let's now talk about grieving in children, teens and their families and the kind of support they need. You've already mentioned peer support, but I want you to go into more detail about those kinds of things. So, Britta, first of all, with you, tell us about grieving in children and teens. What about it? Grieving in children and in teens can look very different to the grief that we may experience as adults. Teens probably are the closest to what we experience as adults, but children's grief certainly looks very different. In the literature, children's grief is often compared to puddle jumping, and that means that we think of a child dipping in and out of grief. A child can only process a certain amount of emotional stress or a certain emotional feeling, and then they move on and are occupied with other things. This can be very bewildering to their adults in their life because often even the parents or the parent of a bereaved child come to us and say, is my child normal? He doesn't seem to get it that daddy is not coming back. Or he seems almost excited at the idea of a funeral and greets guests at a door and say, come see my daddy, he's dead. Now, there's a lot of reassurance that we have to do around this that it is perfectly normal because a small child does not understand the concept of death. That is perfectly normal. It doesn't comprehend, cannot cognitively comprehend that death is final. Um, and very often, too, small children make themselves responsible for the disappearance of the parent or the sibling. Um, and have a strange logic that they put together. So, for instance, we have one little boy in our program whose father died of cancer, and shortly before he was diagnosed with cancer, this, um, the little boy had spilled milk and his cereal in the kitchen, and the dad slipped on the milk. In the boy's head, he was six. He said, when he came to us at Lighthouse, that he gave his father cancer because he spilled milk, dad slipped, and so therefore he was responsible for this. Of course he wasn't, but a small child is not able to retrace that logic. So a lot of these issues are very different in children to adults. They have different cognitive levels. They have different logic. They overhear their adults talk in very hushed voices about death and dying, and that's when their ears open up and they pick up things that they can't make sense of. 
So we help children transition with that. And in the teens, there are a lot of dynamics about pulling away from the family that are now conflicting with the need to kind of come back in if the death is a very recent death. There's a lot of clinginess of the parents to the teens to make sure that all family members are close. So those are some of the things that we see in how different family members grieve at different times. Candice, please tell us about grieving in families and the way the grieving in families affects children and teens. Well, as Britta mentioned, uh, children grieve very differently from adults and from each other. Um, the way each of us experiences and responds to grief is really as different as we all are. I guess one of the things that we see in common with families and, and probably the biggest impact of an untimely death of a parent or a sibling is really how that death changes everything in the world of that family and of each of those family members. Uh, relationships change um, between members of the family and relationships change with the family member and their friends or extended family. Um, one of the things people tell us frequently is that the people in their circle of their friends, their coworkers and their colleagues, uh, they don't know what to say. They don't know what to do to help. Um, and because they may be so uncomfortable with the idea of the grief and how that triggers their own feelings of, of sadness and loss, um, they may choose to pull away. Uh, as well, routines within families change. Um, one parent now is doing the tasks that were done by two parents. So meals are at a different time. Homework support is at a different time. Sometimes it's too difficult to juggle the activities of all the children, so some things have to be given up or left behind. And as well, finances also change, uh, perhaps very significantly for some families. In terms of the roles changing within families, uh, we will often see children and, and teens especially um, taking on missing family members' roles, whether it's chores, helping siblings with homework, um, doing yard work that, that now mom isn't able to do because dad always cut the lawn. Um, teens may also be expected to become a, a surrogate mother or father within that family if there are other siblings. And as Britta also mentioned, you know, at a time when teens are, in terms of their own development, really needing to explore their independence and their separation from family, they are drawn back into a unit um, where they are needed um, to support their other siblings and, and sometimes their parents. Um, because grief is cyclical and does not progress in a linear fashion, um, this grief will be revisited by children and family whenever there is more change. So things such as a move, uh, transition to a new school or a new grade, um, as well as significant life events or milestones such as birthdays, graduations, first jobs, um, all of those firsts essentially will create change that will then cause the family members to revisit their own grief and loss in their own way. Right. Britta, please tell us about the various circumstances of the deaths that cause grieving in children in teens and how the cir circumstances affect them. The well, death really terminates, of course, a relationship. And the relationship 
may have been very different within the family, um, with different family members. So let's just say for, to make it clearer, let's just say the father of the family has died and there are three children and a mother um, that uh, remain. One or two of the children may have had a very close relationship with the father and one of them, not so much. The, maybe the adolescent teen might have been quite conflicted or the same gender child to dad. So the, the boys in the family may have had a more <clears throat> conflict-ridden relationship than other family members. It could have been that the relationship between the parents was not a particularly close one prior to the death, or that maybe even the parents were thinking about separation and or were separated. All of these factors will be very relevant when talking about relationships post-death. So, of course, the death terminates the relationship in this real world, in our factual world, but the relationship will continue in mind and in spirit and in the emotional relations that remain within the family and also within the individual. So what we do at the Lighthouse... <clears throat> Sorry, what we do at the Lighthouse is that we encourage the child to talk about the relationship they had with the deceased sibling or parent. And that may, as I say, look very different for different siblings within the family. That may sometimes produce um, conflicts within the peer supports that we offer, that there is one child who talks about special memories of mom and the other sibling chimes in and says, no, that's not at all how she was. And then it is our jobs as facilitators to say, you know, both of these viewpoints are valid and, and somebody can has certainly have a certain set of memories and the other person has other sets of memories and they're all valid. But we encourage the child to express memory. That's a very, very important part of our work, as is the grief work. So the relationship that existed prior to the death will continue post-death. It's just now that the child is investing in that relationship on their own. So they will carry that memory of their parent with them for the rest of their life and the memory of their sibling. And they will have to learn to redefine that relationship because they are the only active member of that relationship. And, of course, then the circumstances of the death, whether it was a, an illness, a long-term or sudden death, or maybe a violent death, a suicide, a homicide, or death in some kind of violent context that will all affect the relationship post-death. Candice, please tell us about how families deal with the grieving of children, teens, and of their families as a whole. And perhaps what I'm asking you is how do they normally, how do families normally deal with this? And then when do they start to need support and why? I know that's a big question, but if you could just lead us into that, that would be very helpful. Well, I, I think as we discussed, you know, the way an individual or family as a unit deals with the death is really as individual as they are. Um, it depends on many of those factors that, that Britta just discussed, um, the manner of the death, the relationships between the family members and the deceased. Um, but one of the things, as we, talk, as we discussed, is the fact that the death of this person in the family creates a significant change in the world of all of the individuals that are in that family. And the roles change of the family members within that family pretty significantly. So the parents' roles change. Um, you know, where you had 
um, a family of two parents or maybe even a parent that was a single parent but now is a sole parent, um, that looks very differently. That is one parent now that has now inherited all of the responsibilities of two parents. Um, children also will have to take on more responsibilities, where it's supporting younger siblings um, or just getting things done to continue to have the family um, work, so preparing meals, doing chores around the house. Um, one of the things that we do at the Lighthouse is that we offer both the parents and the children um, opportunities to share their thoughts and feelings independent of each other. So in our children's groups, we encourage children to talk about their feelings, to talk about their thoughts um, in a safe environment where they know that what they say in their group will stay in their group. And that's very important because many children will tell us that the Lighthouse is really the only place where they feel they can come and talk about how they really feel about this stuff. And that's for many reasons. That could be because they just they don't have any friends or neighbors, people that they know that as a child has, has experienced the death of a parent or a sibling, or it could be because they fear that if they talk about how they really feel at home, that they will further upset or harm a parent who is already grieving. So we allow them that opportunity to do that in a safe environment. We also talk with children um, about self-care and how it's important for children um, to take time out to play and to be with friends and to try to resume as many of their regular activities as they possibly can, even amidst the changes that have taken place. Um, in our parent support groups as well, um, we also promote parent self-care. Um, we know that parents who are mentally, emotionally, and physically depleted will just have a lot more difficulty in, uh, in parenting children who are grieving. So self-care really provides, um, you know, involves them taking care of themselves and feeding themselves physically, mentally, and emotionally, um, whether that means getting additional counseling or support for themselves through their own grief, whether it's accepting support of friends, neighbors, and families through child care, driving kids to activities, accepting meals, um, or just giving yourself time to get together with friends for a mom or a dad's night out. Talking of time, Candice, um, it is time that we've got to take our break, so we'll do that now. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley, and my guests are Britta Martini-Miles and Candice Ray. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety and Empowerment channels and CJMP 90.1 FM Community Radio. Please stay with us. We will be back. Find out which guests are being featured this week. Read our network press releases and read the blog posts from your favorite hosts. Go to iradioblog.com today. Powered by the Voice America Talk Radio Network. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. If you think you've seen online TV before... 
Let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at familycaregiversunite.org. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite. And Britta, Martini, Miles, and Candice Ray. Our topic is support for grieving children, teens, and their families. Let's talk about the ways in which Lighthouse provides the support needed by grieving children, teens, and their families. And Britta, first with you, please explain how the death of a loved one is a time of crisis which, if handled with caring and support, can become a process of growth. Britta? Thanks, Gordon. Um, What we hear very often, even when we have family intake interviews at the beginning of the uh, process when a family joins the Lighthouse community, is that even families who have experienced the death immediately themselves feel that their own children are too young to handle this. And of course they are not, because life has dealt them this card and they are handling it and they need to handle it. And certainly the extended family sometimes may feel that a child is too young to be exposed to issues surrounding the death. And again, it isn't because it has been dealt this card. So what we insist on as one requirement for joining the Lighthouse is that the child is being told the truth. This is the building block for their work at the Lighthouse. And the truth is that the family member has died, not gone to sleep or is away, but has died and has died of, and then whatever it is, cancer or an illness or an accident. That core pillar of the work, that truth and trust in being told what is what was the honest truth, leads the child to a lot of self-examination, but also to building new relationships within the lighthouse that are based on trust. One of the side effects of early childhood bereavement is the loss of trust, because here a person that you have really loved and had a close relationship to and thought was infallible and invincible, your parent has died. It's not supposed to happen. And so what that early piece, the introduction of trust and truth, um, does is that it opens the child up to a new community where they can examine how they feel, how they relate to the outside world. And that produces a tremendous growth. And indeed, our children do, exam- do experience growth in ways that other children that are not touched by childhood bereavement have not experienced, have not had to experience. 
one of the most beautiful things for me as the executive director of this organization is to see when we've had participants, children who have come through our program as participants, come back to us years later and say, it has made such a profound difference in my life. Please now train me as a facilitator because I want to come back and help other children to come through that. And you know, Gordon, those young facilitators who then come back as teens and, and young people in their 20s, they are such hope and beacons of hope and encouragement to our kids because they've been there. They have right. that smile. Britta, please tell us about the work of Lighthouse, supporting children and teens when a family member is dying of, shall we say, cancer. And everybody knows that the death is coming, but there's a chance to prepare. What about the work of Lighthouse in those circumstances? That is one of our most challenging groups, uh, Gordon. We launched our Hey, What About Me group uh, last year as a pilot project when we attracted attracted funding from a private foundation and found that it was really complementary to hospice care that has become much, much shorter in its scope. People are usually admitted to hospices when they are in the very late stages of death and dying and sometimes it can just be a matter of days that a patient spends at a hospice and then they have died. So there is little coming to terms with dying and anticipating the death. And yet in children that have a family member at home that has been diagnosed with a terminal illness. There's something called anticipatory grief. That's, of course, not just to children experience that, but the adults as well. The interesting thing is that the reaction to anticipatory grief is very different in the adult that is left caring for the family, so the well parent that is looking after the dying parent is completely exhausted and depleted of energy holding together the family life and managing an illness, whereas the children tend to be very hyper in their energy levels, refusing to accept the diagnosis, maybe not thinking that it will ever happen, and also not wanting to and let go of that parent. So very, very conflicting needs and intentions and motivations that we try to support. And we have in our current group one group of children where the father is dying of early Alzheimer's. And for all we know, for the boys, their father has already died because he doesn't even recognize them anymore. And yet he's physically still around. So there's a lot of guilt that the boys feel about not wanting to visit him and, and anticipating his death and almost wishing his death at times. So very difficult dynamics within the family. Right. Candice, please tell us about another difficult situation, and that is where financial matters are a problem for the family. So please tell us about the financial aspects of the care provided by Lighthouse. Right. Well, with death being a part of life that most people avoid talking about uh, and don't want to talk about, much less let alone plan for, um, many families um, are not on sound financial footing, um, and the impact of a death can be very significant. Um, you know, with, with families who have experienced death, often two incomes becomes one income, um, or one income uh, for many families becomes no income. Uh, so often we will see parents who, uh, maybe mothers, who have been out of the workforce for some time and now they need to find work um, while trying to figure out how they will continue to care for their children. 
uh, this creates a great deal of stress for family. Uh, living in, in a community where we have uh, many new Canadians um, joining our communities every year, um, there are a number of people who are, are here pretty isolated from extended family and other supports. So that creates a, a lot of stress for them as well. Uh, you know, survivors of spousal loss are, are not single parents, they're sole parents. Um, and this means there is no child support, there's no visitation, there's no respite. It's not like being a single parent. You are truly alone. Uh, we are fortunate at the Lighthouse to have been able to build some partnerships um, with our local Oakville uh, YMCA, um, as well as uh, Kids for Kids camps, uh, who have generously uh, provided free and subsidized camp experiences and other recreation um, for our families and participants in financial need. And with extracurricular activities, you know, often being one of the first things to go for families when uh, a financial hardship strikes, um, it's really helpful for these families to get that kind of support. Um, so that they can try and maintain some sense of routine and, and normalcy in their children's lives. Uh, in terms of other resources to parents, although we, we don't directly provide financial support or financial counsel, um, our Lighthouse staff are there to um, help families, to direct families who perhaps have not had experiences navigating the support service systems, and we will help them find the resources that they need uh, to get support if that's something that they do need. Candace, does, does uh, Lighthouse actually charge for its services to grieving families and, and their members? We do not, and I think that that's one of the, the most fantastic things about what we do is that children and families can come to us, they can receive the support that they need throughout their grief journey for as long as they need it at no cost to them. I want to go back to Britta because you talked about hospice, that is care of people in their... Uh, at the end of their lives, when it's known that they're going to be dying quite soon. And if I, what I'm hearing from you, Britta, is that there should be, but isn't, some better communication um, between the grieving work, um, grieving support that you provide, and the way in which hospices operate. Am I right in that interpretation, Britta? Um, no, there is, there is interaction. It's just different parts of the journey. So the, the hospice focuses so much on managing end of life. And if you want, we are supporting the beginning of the new life because life looks very different now for the family that has said goodbye to their family member. Ideally, I would like to see better integration, and we are starting to work um, closely with our local hospices, and uh, now with Candace on board, we can do even more of that over the next <clears throat> few months and years, that we form closer alliances, because for the dying family member, too, it is possibly quite a comfort to know that when they will no longer be on this earth, that they know where their children will be looked after and supported, and to know that they know that place exists, and so they can let go and die in peace. What that really does is to stress this kind of partnership that you've been talking about, this sense of people adapting to change that you've both been talking about, the change that is in, unavoidable because of 
the death because of the loss and because of the changes. And so in that sense, um, preparing for a death in a hospice uh, is something, again, if I'm hearing you right, Britta, is something that does need a kind of integration. And you've mentioned that you're working towards that. Now, is that quick summary correct yes, from me to you? I, absolutely, it is correct. And I think that goes for the not-for-profit sector and the social service sector in general, that it is our obligation as agencies that provide this kind of service to make sure we interact with each other so that we all jointly provide better support of the clients we serve because very often the families that come to us are have previously been at another organization. So if we build closer relationships and better ties, then I think we can use the very scarce funding dollars much more effectively and provide much better outcome for the families we serve. Right. Now it's time again for the break. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley and my guests are Britta Martini-Miles and Candice Ray. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety and Empowerment Channels and CJMP 90.1 FM Community Radio. Please stay with us. We will be back. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all our show archives on demand. All from your iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at familycaregiversunite.org. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Britta Martini-Miles and Candice Ray. Our topic is support for grieving children, teens and their families. Now, I want to talk to you both about 
the things you intend to do and would like to see done by others to expand the support needed by grieving children, teens and their families. And I also want to hear from you your message for family caregivers and their family members. So, Britta, what more would you like to do and see done to help in the grieving situation? Britta. Well, the first thing that we want to do is um, start investigating new and additional space. We are starting to burst at the seams. We have been in our rented home that feels like a very comfortable, cozy little cottage, and that is part of our healing environment. We've been in that environment for about almost 10 years and are starting to outgrow this. So one of the things that we will be looking at, and that is um, myself with the board of directors and fundraising committee and community members to identify options for new spaces, whether that is an additional space elsewhere in our area or if we're going to invest in the capital campaign so that we can raise funds for our own center and grow from there. I think also um, I wanted to connect back to something we just talked about before the break, and that was the responsibility of agencies like ours to network with each other. The charity sector is under constant pressure to fundraise, and it is difficult to do that. Um, we all know that, and I think it is our responsibility to make sure that the scarce dollars that are floating about are getting the most bang for their buck. So and Candace and I have really started to set to work this year where we had the luxury of Candace joining us and us actually having more staff and more paid hours available to go out and look at other agencies to see where are we, um, where are we supported of, of each other's services. Maybe what areas are there that we don't need to cover because somebody else has got them covered already really well and how can we make sure that our families get um, get tapped into that community. So really becoming smart as um, social service agencies to connect with each other and to better support. And then I think I would love to see us at the Lighthouse build the Lighthouse into a, a grief resource center so that it's much wider than peer support, which we do well, and we do especially peer support of very young children very well, but looking at workshops and bringing in experts and and other supplementary workshops that help families that are in transit to make the transition that they need to make. And there again, I think the partnership arrangements will be the best and produce the most productive outcome in the long run. Right. Candice, same question for you. What would you like to do and see done to help more? Well, I think I would like to see us to continue to develop and improve our Hey, What About Me uh, group, um, to continue to learn about the needs of the children and family members who are living with a family member that has an illness uh, from which they will eventually die, to look at what their support needs are, both on the parent level and on the child level, and to develop and to network with as many organizations as we can to build our resource base, to really deliver that well to those families. I think as well, uh, one of the areas that we've seen um, somewhat of a gap in, in support um, is to our uh, transitioning teens and young adults. Um, we would really like to be able to pursue providing extended support to many of the teens in our program um, who are going to be uh, leaving home to go to university 
or they're going to be pursuing work, um, they are facing, in addition to the very significant change that they have in the death of a family member, they're also looking at other major transitions in their lives. And how do we help give them the support that they need uh, to manage all of those transitions well? Um, and in addition to that, um, I would really, as, as Britta said, I would really love to see the Lighthouse become um, a grief support uh, resource uh, for um, other agencies. I would like to see us strengthen our partnerships with the education community so that we can be there as a resource to teachers and administrators um, when they are having to support students who have experienced the death. Um, and I would also like to see us be able to go into workplaces and other places in the community where we can educate and sensitize um, our neighbors, friends, family, colleagues, and coworkers, um, other professionals to help them to become more knowledgeable. Um, and sensitive about the needs of children and teens and, and families who are grieving. Britta, what's your message for grieving children, teens, and their families? Britta? I think the most important thing, Gordon, is that the early loss of a loved person takes time and space and support. And it doesn't mean that you're not coping but it needs, means that you need time and space and support. In our society, we're not comfortable talking about death, and certainly not about deaths that are unnatural or untimely. So I would encourage any family, any individual that's listening to this program and finds themselves in this situation to, first of all, acknowledge that their feelings are valid and try and find support. Contact us at the Lighthouse, even if we are not within your physical reach. We can certainly help to connect you to a vast network of centers like us throughout North America. We're the only ones in Houghton and Peel and in the Toronto GTA area that provide the service, but there are others that we can connect you to. So even if we are not the right ones, please contact us so that we can direct you to where there is support. And the second thing, if any listeners who have had a chance to listen to our program, have any resources that they've found particularly useful, centers that they've heard of, websites, books, or reading materials, anything, send us a note so that we can post those links on our website and then share them with the community that's out there. And thirdly and lastly, I think it's just to recognize that what we're doing is preventative mental health and early intervention works best because it needs the least amount of effort and it's less complicated. So don't wait until it seems like you can barely hold on because you would never think of doing a root canal extraction yourself. So right. You don't need that... to do this on your own either. Candice, what's your message for grieving children and their families? Well, I think I would like to give grieving children, teens and their families a message of hope. Um, and that in the wake of a life-altering event that will forever change your life, uh, moving forward, there is hope. Um, and hope comes with being a part of a community like the Lighthouse, where the support from a community of peers and, and new friends who understand the many issues they face uh, come together and, and help, them, help themselves and each other to carry on. Um, a grief experience that's supported really enables healing and, and resilience, and it can bring families hope as they move through their journey and, and rebuild positive futures for themselves and, and for their family. 
Now, I just want to summarize back to you very quickly what I think um, I... I'd like to emphasize, first off, a very practical thing. In promoting what you're doing and explaining it, please go to physicians, particularly physicians like geriatricians and others who are around people and care for people who are at the end of life. There's a lot of emphasis now on caring for people at the end of life. And I think that among all the others that you've talked to and talked about, um, represent a group that I'd encourage you to talk to. Second thing I want to say to you is uh, to wish you every success in what you're doing in this work, first of all, of integrating all the services that are around, that are relevant, and that can, if they get together, create efficiencies which benefit um, grieving families. And this whole idea of adapting to change uh, which can bring happiness in, and satisfaction in the end. And also, I wish you success in becoming the grief support resource, because I can, un from the days in which I practice medicine, I can understand the need for that. So thank you very much, both of you, for this, and every good wish to you all. Now, I want to say thank you to our listeners. We'd like to hear your comments uh, on this episode. And from our listeners, I'd like to hear about ideas for topics or if you're interested in being a guest on the show. Our next episode will be Multicultural Traditions of Family Caregiving. Please join us, same time, same on spot on the Internet. Talk to you then. Thank you again for joining us this week for Family Caregivers Unite with your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley. Please tune in again next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. And until then, we hope our program will help make the coming week easier and more hopeful. And I do appreciate you being around. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 